This season, the Old Gold Club and Wolves TV Matchday Live are powered by Blythe Group. An industry-leading construction company and family-run business since 1982, driving investment and infrastructure across the UK. Blythe Group's mission is to provide an unrivaled service based on innovative, bespoke building solutions and comprehensive customer support. If you're a skilled tradesperson and you want to join the team that powers our team, contact their bases in Wolverhampton, Manchester or Maidenhead via theblythegroup.co.uk. Blythe Group. Big enough to deliver, small enough to care. Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So hello there and welcome to another episode of My Golden Game, our spin-off series of the Old Gold Club where we speak to former players but also fans, maybe some current players will join us as well about the matches that have left, left an incredible memory on their lifetimes. Delighted to welcome to this episode Jackie Oatley. Hello Jackie. Hi Mikey. Um, This is going to be interesting because... Um, <laughs> Your kind of Wolves history is kind of intertwined with somebody else in kind of that's very well known that we speak to a lot. And it's fascinating to me because you teed me up for this, that you were at this game together. I love this. Yes, it is the legendary Johnny Phillips, because we go back a very long way. Um, My fellow Wolves Foundation ambassador, by the way. Um, But we go back to university days because we were both in Leeds. We're different um, unis, but we're both in Leeds and we had good friends in common from, I think mostly from my school in Wolverhampton, because Johnny's obviously a scouser, as uh, people might have noticed, uh, but, but a big Wolves fan as a result of his dad. And so so we hooked up and so I um, unofficially set up the Leeds University Wolverhampton Wanderers Supporters Society. <laughs> <laughs> which just rolls off the tongue and we you know a handful of us just traveled around the country in my little theater you know which was more like a baked bean tin and you just peel it open and we'd have the flags flying out the windows and went all over the country and it was absolutely brilliant loved every minute but of course it was in the days way before the glamour days now of all these fancy foreign trips to barcelona we used to go to roca park and blundell park and places like that and burnden park and uh, the manor ground and um yeah yeah, that, but there were fun times and it wasn't about the results it was really not because there weren't many good times and this match that I picked out is not the greatest memory I have as a Wolves fan by any stretch because most of those have been taken there weren't too many of them but the likes of Super Don Goodman with the Leeds one and and I think Dennis Irwin with the, the Millennium Stadium one but no, this one's a little bit quirkier um, we'll get to it in just a second. I love the fact, though, that in the first two minutes here, you've got to do the what every football fan does, which is the justification of I was there at these terrible places. <laughs> no, do you know it's not. It's it's not just fine. What what it is is pointing out that that's what it was. There wasn't any of the fun stuff. I mean, it was just second division as it was, division two, championship as it is now. 
all my time of going home and away until I changed career. And then the one time they get promoted is the first year I stopped going because I became a football reporter, uh, which is just sod's law. But th- <laughs> those were the days. That's That was it. <laughs> See, what, were, what was your earliest memory of going to games before this period where you were travelling all over the country? My first game was September 1990, Wolves won, Bristol Rovers won. Uh, Robbie Dennison scored, I believe. And of course, it was when there was only two stands open. Yeah. So I was standing in the South Bank. And the then John Ireland stand, Steve Ball stand as it is now, miles away from the pitch because they had the issues of running out of money. And um, the redevelopment never happened. So these ridiculous sort of pinkish, reddish seats miles away from, from the pitch. And then the North Bank and what's now the Billy Wright stand, Waterloo Road stand, were condemned. And uh, it was it was, I mean, it was all I knew, really, until I went to away games. My first one was at Goodison Park. And we were like, oh, look, other people have four sides to their pitches. Um, but it was, I mean, the South Bank was so, so special. But in a way, it sounds weird, but in a way, it didn't matter. We only had two sides and it was a very sorry state of the ground because we were so proud of the noise we made in the South Bank. And we were so proud of Stevie Bull and Andy Much and what was going on on the pitch in terms of... The, the camaraderie, the spirit, the fact that it was your club meant the walls, your club meant the world to you. It wasn't, it wasn't about success. It wasn't about achieving very much. It was mostly about missing out. But it was all about that rivalry. It was all about the banter. It was all about the match day, the chicken bolty pies, and um, and seeing your pals, having fun. Because this is the thing that um, you know, when I was at university, a lot of my money was spent on alcohol. Um, like what would what were people saying when you were like no it's a Tuesday night and instead of coming down the union I'm going to drive over to Bolton with Johnny Phillips to go and watch a football match I don't really know what people say I think when I first went to uni I, I went into a house so it wasn't a halls of residence as such it was where I was put by the university it was a house of 14 girls and I didn't tick the box that said have your own room so I ended up sharing a room with this other girl who obviously I'd never met in my life and she had this boyfriend who just seemed to stay all the time so I stayed on my friend's floor all the time just to give him some space but so I remember going to this house and saying hello to everybody at the start of my university life you know when you bond with all your housemates and I said well nice to meet you I'm driving all the way back to Wolverhampton from Leeds straight back uh, to go and watch a nil-nil draw with West Ham that was on the television because that was ingrained into me that that's what I felt I had to do and I I wanted to watch every single match I didn't want to miss one so I'm quite sure that these girls all thought who's this weirdo that's just right and the poor girl that was my roommate was probably oh my god who is this nutcase but uh, but that was that was me that was what I wanted to do that was my passion and um yeah loved it i'm picturing like this room that you shared of like one half is like posters of music artists and bands and stuff (laughs) and your half is posters of like john dewolf and robbie dennison and steve bull on the wall it literally had um jeff thomas on the wall i remember that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah absolutely absolutely steve bull was clearly the main man mickey style was my other absolute idol tomo as well i mean all those like down it oh yeah <laughs> i think it was a tash what did it um <laughs> but no no it wasn't like that it was um yeah all the, all the uh, 
I've always had posters of, of Wolves players, uh, mostly Bully, admittedly, and Nicky Style. But yeah, it was um, that's what I had in my corner of the room. And um, I can't even remember her name. She soon moved out because she just needed to spend all her time with her boyfriend. So I ended up going to the room to myself. But but yeah, that was, that was my golden black corner and my golden black shrine. And then I remember in my second year, it was just pure gold and black all the way around the room. And uh, I think there might have been the odd Bono poster from you too. <laughs> And Jamiroquai. <laughs> but that was it. The rest was gold and black. Bono, Jamiroquai and Steve Bull and Andy yes. Thompson. Love that. That's it. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about this game. Tuesday, 29th of March, 1994. Um, almost a precursor to battles with Bolton that were yet to come. Oh, yes. That was before it became a, a sort of permanent rivalry, if you like. I mean, because 1995 was just so hideous. But no, so this was, um, I mean, all the time I'd been sporting Wolves, Graham Turner had been in charge. And so I remember when I was in my university room hearing the news or seeing it on CFAX or Teletext in those days, <laughs> before the days of mobile phones and Twitter and all that. And, um, and I saw that Graham... Turner had been sacked after seven or eight years in charge and and it was it was the end of an era I mean I hadn't been through the lower two divisions because I, you know, I started going 1990 so I only knew second tier football but I knew how much he meant and but also I knew the disappointments of just failing to go up again and again and and so it was it was really strange when he was sacked and then We've been linked with the likes of Howard Kendall and, and Jerry Francis, who really just used Wolves, I think, to, to get a deal QPR from memory, I think. Um, or, was it a, or was it Tottenham at the time? Anyway, it was... Um, and so Graham Taylor was announced, and it was, it was a real shame that some fans didn't seem to think that he was good enough for Wolves, which was... I remember thinking it was a really odd thing, because even though... England have failed to qualify for the World Cup in 1994, which was an, it, it was absolutely devastating for everybody. Of course it was, after what had happened in 1990, which is when I became completely and utterly obsessed with football in that year um, and watched every minute of that World Cup that I could when I wasn't at school. It was, um, yeah, it, well, it was devastating. But the way he was treated by so many people was way, way, way over the top. And I know the person responsible for the, the turnip head on the sun, and, and he... He feels really, really bad about it. He's apologised to Graham. But the fact is that stuck, the whole turnip moniker, the ridicule. I don't think there's any worse feeling in the world, actually, than being ridiculed. You can have people criticise you. You can have people say they don't like what you're doing. But to actually laugh at you and ridicule you, he didn't deserve that. So anyway, he was named manager. And then, as we tended to do, Johnny Phillips and I travelled over in my little theatre, you know, with the Wolves on Tour sticker in the back of my car, which basically led to my car getting broken into and smashed up. They didn't take anything, but a couple of times, and I just kept replacing the glass with my poor student loan money, um, and kept the sticker, Wolves on Tour, and went across to Burnden Park. And anybody who went to that ground will remember it for one thing and one thing only, and that is the most ridiculous supermarket that was in the away end. What? And it was, yes, I'll send you the photo of it. There's a supermarket in the away end, which they built in the 1980s to save the club. That money saved Bolton Wanderers. And so they went, yep, yep, that's fine. Just 
put your supermarket there. But it meant that a lot of the away fans couldn't actually see the pitch. <laughs> Which sounds insane, but this is this is what happened because it protruded out beyond the away end. So if you were in, you know, half of the away end, you couldn't actually see half the pitch. Which you know, usually watching Wolves away in, in the nineties was was you were fine only yeah, watching not, some not, of it. Not such a bad thing. <laughs> you wouldn't be missing a pin perfect Neves pass from eighty yards or anything. But um, so, but no, I mean, on this occasion we did actually win the game, and um, and I remember it. I remember that Graham Taylor was started off in the stands that game. And then Guy Whittingham was on loan from Villa at the time. And he scored the opening goal. Lee Mills had had a shot parried and Whittingham followed up. And then John McGinley. Ah, can we even mention that bloke's name? John McGinley. The notorious John McGinley as of the following season. But he equalised. And then um, and then Tomo, who was playing fullback that day. I think he was a left back. He was... He, um, Beautiful control and finish, which was just like the Harry Kane goal that I was reporting on at the weekend for uh, Tottenham at Crystal Palace. Lovely finish. Hang, and, hang um, on, hang on. Well, you can't start comparing Tomo to Harry Kane on this. I can the finish, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it was lovely control, perfect finish, bottom left-hand corner. Tomo was brilliant at scoring goals. I mean, he was it was really, really good player. I know you like to take the mickey out of him all the time. He was, and he played in virtually every single position for Wolves. He was so versatile, but so reliable. He was the little Dennis Irwin of his era. He was an absolutely fantastic player. And um, then uh, Guy Whittingham got the second goal after Graham Taylor had gone down at half-time. I think, maybe cynically, but maybe maybe Graham's thinking, oh, we're leading 2-1. I'll go down pitch side and make sure that this one counts on my record. Whereas if I watch it from the stand, it might not have a W next to it. I don't know. But uh, no, Wolves won 3-1. It was a good night. And then I just remember thinking that we just had this urge to meet Graham and literally just just wish him luck. I mean, um, we waited for... God, it was so long ago, 26 years ago. But I just remember waiting outside. Loads of fans, Wolves fans, wanted to meet him to wish him luck. And it was nice, actually, because he was so polite. He was a lovely, lovely man. And he was so polite. And I think he was just he was just really pleased, I think, to have this sort of recognition, to have fans want him to come, to have fans see him face-to-face and say, good luck, you know, really want you to do well. Um, after the torrid time that he'd had a result of the, the England fallout. And, uh, yeah, Johnny and I just, just waited for a good while. I remember we had somebody trying to pull him away who wanted to, to drive him back. And um, and it was it was a good night. And then he was very, very polite. And then Johnny and I walked back to my car and found that it had been broken into. <laughs> and it honestly, I swear, it must have been just like a, a tin opener they'd used. <laughs> That's the type of car it was. But they'd crowbarred the passenger seat door open and uh, tried to steal a, a car radio. I can't honestly remember if they succeeded. But um, it would have been one of those little, you know, the little ones you pop in and take out again. And um, yes, we had to drive across the Pennines that night with the the door crowbarred open. And I just remember it being extremely windy. <laughs> Johnny had to sit in that seat for what was it, an hour and a half, two hours or something. And uh, and that was that. And you know, Graham went on to to do well at the club. Of course, missed out on the playoffs that year. I think finished eighth. And then the following year took us up to seven up to fourth in the table into the playoffs and then oh it, it was so cruel the way it finished i think most people remember what happened that sort of battered them first leg but only the 2-1 win because of jason mcateer shinning it in from 25 yards and of course you know 
he uh, he should have been sent off for his assault on David Kelly. He wasn't, of course. He goes and scores two goals in the second leg. So, <gasps> yes, and and it's such a shame that that was the only full season that Graham had. Yeah, with Wolves, and and ended up officially resigning, but he he was sacked in the following November, and it was just the most ridiculous decision because he you know he'd spent wisely, he'd spent on really good players, um, the likes of Froggy and John DeWolf. Um, Graham, uh, sorry, and um, Jeff Thomas, I believe, and Don Goodman. Re- Don Goodman, of course, yeah, Neil Emblem, really, really good players. But you know, when did he? Tony Daly, I think, as well. You know, when did he ever have these players fit at the same time? It was so, so unlucky. And you talk to Froggy about it now, as I have done many times working with Froggy over the years, and and he loved Graham Taylor, absolutely loved him, and um, he should never have been sacked. And then, you know, fast forward a good few years, never did I imagine that night when I met him that then I'd be commentating with him at the World Cup in South Africa in 2010, and that's one of the highlights of my career is is standing in the stadium for the national anthems for Cameroon, Netherlands, with Graham Taylor, the most people say former England manager, but for me, he was a former Wolves manager alongside <laughs> me um, and commentating with Table Mountain in the background, at the uh, you know, my mum's home country. And it was a very, very proud moment, but he, he never really got over the way, not so much the way he was treated with England, but the way it happened with Wolves, that was absolutely devastating for him. Did he? Did you tell him about the night that you waited outside Burnham Park for him? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not proud. <laughs> <laughs> and did no. he pretend to remember it? <laughs> oh no, he he wouldn't remember individuals, but he yeah. I mean, he he remembers the fact that he um you know he got a warm welcome from Wolves fans. Not everybody was convinced, but oh my goodness, <laughs> some Wolves fans are very hard to please. But um but yeah, it was it was just such a shame because he was a good manager and he took us to a highest finish in eleven years, and he was very very unlucky and. And had he been given more time with the players, been given a chance to be back at full fitness. I mean, that first choice starting eleven that really never got a chance to play together. I mean, when did when do we have Froggy on one wing and Tony Daly on the other with yeah. John DeWolf in his position and and Jeff Thomas doing his thing? I mean, it, all at the same time, it it was so unlucky. There was nothing wrong with the recruitment. It was just, you know, misfortune and Howie at Sunderland nobbling Jeff Thomas and, and all the rest of it. It was, it was concatenation of occurrences which, which led to his demise. It's interesting though, isn't it? The things that you remember and the the eras that you go back to, you know, when you... I, I, I always find when you think kind of to your youth, I guess, and you have this kind of gold-tinted for use of a better pun than that but do you, you know what I mean that kind of beautiful image of what it was to be just a young football supporter and it's interesting the things that you go back to and you talk about this night and your car getting broken into and yet that still comes into what was one of your favorite ever games yeah it's weird isn't it it is weird because for a start being in the away end winning away I don't think there's anything better I mean mean, much as we love the South Bank and Molyneux I mean I just think being in the away end my happiest times as a supporter easily have been the away games whether it's traveling on the train I used to call the supporters coaches you know when when um, 
Foz used to do his thing with Mickey Stowell, the, the VHS <laughs> videos. I used to love those. And But I don't think going on the coaches were my favourite because I used to go on those mostly when people didn't want to go to unglamorous away games. And I was like, oh, I'll go on the coach then. But um, the trains as well, a lot of uh, certain smells I remember from going on the trains. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> beer. It was just spilt beer and toilets not working. You know, they're kind of evocative smells. Um, and, uh, and going by car as well, quite often having um, breakdowns, but, you know, like Notts County and what have you. But, but yeah, I loved away games because I think being on the terrace and it was so, so noisy. Wolves fans were so, so noisy and still are now. I was in the uh, away end at, at Old Trafford when Jao Moutinho um, scored a wonderful goal. And Wolves fans sang the whole way through that game, the whole way through, just just as they as they tend to do. No matter how good Wolves are, no matter what division, it's the noise that we create. And um, it's that pride of being part of a, a tribe, I guess, on the road and coming in and putting your imprint on this particular town, city, village, whatever it may be. And, you know, the Wolves are in town and... and you know, you're part of a, a pack, as Nuno calls it now. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was quite intoxicating, the whole the whole feeling of, of those away games. And absolutely, absolutely loved them. I, I do miss the chance to be able to go to them as much now as I used to. But I wouldn't change it. You know, I've got family now. I get to work in football now. So I wouldn't change it. But I, I did put it off for quite a few years for that reason, that I didn't want to miss out on going home and away every week. Thanks for listening to The Old Gold Club, powered by Blythe Group. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.